What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm excited for you to meet today's guest, Scott Beeson. He is the author of The Working Dad Survival Guide. Incredible book. He has great perspective on work-family balance. He talks about negotiating at work for a better family work schedule, and we dig into paternity leave. Enjoy meeting my friend, Scott. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I am really excited to be talking to my friend Scott Beeson. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to talk to you. Yes, yes. You know, we had a podcast conversation a few months back for my other podcast on employee benefits, all insurance related, and that was a great conversation. And we were talking insurance and work, so I'm assuming this is going to be far better. Uh, but you had written a book called "The Whole Person Workplace," incredible, really geared towards families and and really helping you know like companies, HR departments, business owners understand coming alongside families and supporting them. And through that process of us connecting, um, I have been deep into your maybe you have a few books, but the book, The Working Dad Survival Guide. And so I'm looking forward just to connect and talk fatherhood with you today. Great. Yeah, totally happy. And also, you know, there's a real connection between the two pieces of work, right? So The Working Dad Survival Guide, which I guess we're going to talk about mostly today, is really written to the dad who's trying to balance work and family. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And it's advice and encouragement um, and things like that. And then, um, but in my work, um, I'm a business school professor who has studied work-life issues and, you know, what employers can do and things like that for a very long time. Um, so I was, I was kind of frustrated with the academic, like the limited impact sometimes that academic writing can make. So I started doing more, uh, public facing writing. And the first Mm -hmm. book was the working dad survival guide, which I wanted to help working parents with good information on this. And there's resources out there for moms and not as much for dads. And in fact, I believe this is still the, the only, uh, book of advice and encouragement for working dads uh, there today. Um, and then I, I, I transitioned a little bit and I was like, well, who else needs to know good stuff about this? And I was like, mm-hmm. well, employers and managers and HR people so they can help their employees rise to their work-life challenges. So that's what the um, whole person workplace, uh, which we talked about on your um, benefits influencer podcast. Yep. Um, and I'm s- incredibly proud of that and the impact it's having. And uh, that just came out this August. So um you know, it's nice to talk about my other work because I've been so head down in the uh, the whole person workplace for a while. Yeah, cool. I love it. All right. So I'm going to rapid fire just a few questions so people get to know you a bit. Uh, where do you live? I live in Nyack, New York, which is just north of New York City. Okay. And then how many years have you been married? Uh, 18 years. 18 years. And how many kids do you have? I have the one. He's 16 year old. 16. And yep. how's your relationship with your 16 year old? Uh, pretty great. He's a pretty great kid. Um, we're pretty close. Um, you know, there's a little bit of the, you know, the pushing away the teenagers (laughs) too, but you know, we get along really well. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how, you know, I've been so, I think I feel very privileged and lucky that I've been able to be an involved father, a Mm co-equal parent from the get-go. And, you know, I think that, that's proving out like in our uh, relationship as he gets older. Yeah. Incredible. Okay, cool. And then, you know, we know a little bit, but uh, what do you do for a living? So, so an author and you, what else do you do? Well, I'm a college professor. I teach at Fairleigh Dickinson university uh, in New Jersey. And uh, I teach in the business school there. I head up their human resource management program. And again, I've been from an academic standpoint, I've been in the world of work, family, work, life, workplace flexibility for a long time. And, you know, for the last eight years or so, I've been doing a lot more of 
um, you know, kind of public facing work, books and workshops and, you know, consulting and podcasts and writing for media and things like that. And it suits me as a high extrovert uh, to be uh, kind of doing these things. And, you know, thankfully, I'm in a place in my career where, you know, I'm I'm at a point where I'm very well established where I am, you know, at a, a, a smaller university, but I have a lot of credibility there. I do it. I'm I'm going to pat myself on the back. I do a very good job there nice. um, and it allows me the freedom then now to pursue other things that I really have uh, a lot of interest in. So um, again, super lucky to be in a position where, where I can pursue these things. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you some questions about fatherhood. Okay. What's something that you learned about yourself? So at any point from your son, you know, being a baby to now being a teenager, I'm sure there are several things, but what's something you've learned about yourself? Huh. Well, a, a couple of things. I, you know, I became much better at prioritizing and not everything had to be capital I important. And that was something mm. that, you know, I've learned over time. But, you know, I think learning about myself is that um, I grew up with a fair amount of hangups about stuff. And hmm. um, I am so happy that my son doesn't seem to have any of those hangups. Um, and uh, so, you know, maybe what's I've an example? Good. What's an example of like a hangup? Well, just, you know, for example, I, um, um, I was always very good academically and even in, in some sports, but I was never, I was never like unpopular, but I, I always felt a little on the outside. Like I flitted mm. between social groups and never really had a core of, of things there. You know, I'm a pretty short guy and I have I think I've had some insecurities about that uh, in my life. And my son seems to have none of these things. He's, you know, he, he's, he's very much happy to be himself. And hmm. um, I just feel like, you know, maybe I did a good job of not, um, you know, not imparting any of those into him, which is, is good. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. I, I mean, I think I have, I have hangups in life about fitting in or, um, is what I'm doing good enough or, you know, a lot of comparison and ju I'm yeah. very hard on myself. Yeah. Um, and, and realize, you know, and I've come a long way and I continue to grow in these areas. I think everybody has some level of insecurity in some sense, but even a moment ago, you said, I'm very good at what I do. And it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't from a place of, um, there was no like weird pride in there. It was good, healthy pride. Like, yeah, I'm good at what I do and I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, and so clearly you've done work for yourself to be able to feel that way. And for your, for you to be able to say that about your 16 year old, I think is incredible because that's what we want to impart into our kids is that they are comfortable in their own skin, knowing yeah. who they are as a human being. Right. Well, you know, one thing I have to say about 16 year olds in general, uh, having gotten to know them and frankly, I deal with like 19 year olds all the time <laughs> right. is that this, um, you know, this generation, they're much like, you know, Hey, you know, these are my pronouns. That's fine. Like, you know, somebody's gay, no worries. Like, it's like, I am at least where I am. I, I'm sure that's not universal, but you know, there's, there are like, I'm kind of this weirdo who really likes Japanese anime and I dress with blah, or, you know, I'm, I, I wear cat ears to school or whatever. Like people are doing these things and it's totally fine. Like, like there's so much less of like everyone that needs to conform I think in this generation, which is really a positive thing, you know, I think it's great that there's much more acceptance for a wider array of people being able to express themselves. So, um, I'm so I agree. I agree. But let me ask you this because sometimes, and maybe this is, you know, you'd get beat being, up in my high school for a lot of that, that kind of stuff. When <laughs> Yeah. Well, I would agree with you that today you're not going to get bullied or beat up to the same extent that maybe you would have in the eighties and nineties, yeah. you know, get called names and whatnot. But I wonder sometimes when I see kids trying so many things and yeah. going to so many different paths that if they're really struggling with identity and now you and mm. I live in a space where we're very engaged with like fathers and we know a lot of incredible fathers and we yeah. know a lot of great families because that's the work we're doing. But sometimes when I see these kids being all over the place. Now, if you're sold out Japanese anime and it's like, that's what you did some sixth grade through, through high school, then more power to you. You're confident in who you are. But if it's like every three months, you're switching this out sure, or the other, okay. I worry that they don't know who they are. Okay. I mean, it's a time in your life to explore these things though. So, that, yeah. Uh, okay. I, you know, yes. I'm, 
True. So I guess then the point for dads <laughs> listening would be to be engaged and be a part of that roller coaster with your kids and, yeah. and support them and not make them feel like, oh, that's not what men do. That's not what the, you know, that's not what the shouts do or the Beesons do. You know, to some extent, come alongside and support your kid as they are, as they are figuring out the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way I would, I mean, again, I don't want to go off on too many tangents here, but, you know, you're the parent, you're the safe space for a lot of this stuff. You know, the world yeah. will judge and the world will do a lot of yeah. other things. Uh, that shouldn't come from you. Uh, you should mm. like, you know, just unconditionally love and support your child. And I like that boggles my mind when I hear things of, of people who don't, I mean, um, but uh, you know, and listen, if what your kid needs from you right now is to, you know, not roll your eyes and try new pronouns, then that's what they need from you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, or if it's something more than that, you know, then that's what they need from you. And, you know, that's our job, right? Yeah. To some extent it, it, I mean, it is our job to support them and walk through life with them. Yeah. uh, Wherever they might be. All right. Next question. What has been a great resource to you as a father? Well, first off, I, I, my wife has been an amazing, you know, mm-hmm. partner and everything. And she, to her, and you know, huge credit has never made me feel like a secondary parent or anything mm. like that. We've been like really good partners from the get-go. Um, we talked about it before we started wanting to have kids, you know, as we were becoming parents. Um, you know, she has a weird career. She's a theater actress and director. Okay. And so when she has a show, she has a show. Like there's no flexibility there. There's no working from home there. Right. Um, and it's evenings and weekends uh, when she's in a show and sometimes she's on the road and, you know, other things like that. And so we've really leaned into my very flexible work. You know, mm-hmm. I have like 20 hours or so. I need to be a particular place at a particular time to do my job. I have a lot of other stuff to do, but I could do those kind of around the rest of my yeah. life. So mm-hmm. we've really leaned on that. And um, so I think, you know, my son just grew up knowing like, oh, you know, dad's home today or mom's home today or we're both home today or, and everything's normal and fine. Um, and you know, so she's been a great resource. My dad was an amazing dad too. Um, and you know, so I have had a good role model there foundation Um, there. And you know, and then, you know, the more I got into the fatherhood world in terms of, I started a blog many years ago. Um, the blog's kind of retired and archived at my website. Um, that turned into this book. And I just met so many great dads all over the place yeah, and so many awesome. great organizations. So there's a dad bloggers community and the uh, New York City Dads, which became the City Dads group all over the country and uh, the At Home Dad Network and you know all these other amazing uh, resources because there's so many dads doing doing great jobs and so many dads who like are struggling with the same stuff you struggle with. And right. so it's important to find a group and, and you know, um, you know, that, let me give a shout out to my local dad friends. Um, you know, the, the friends I have in my neighborhood, in my town, uh, almost all of whom have kids around the same age. And, and we get together pretty often. Um, one of my neighbors, most Wednesdays has, uh, people over his backyard for sitting around the fire pit and having a beer. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, time, it's not really therapy session or a men's group or anything, but, you know, we're going to talk about our kids and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about things that we're dealing with. And we help each other kind of in a um, not necessarily touchy feely way, but, you know, we sometimes have advice for each other. Or we sometimes know of a resource for each other. And, um, you know, it's good to have that that group there in your day to day life, knowing that other people are in the trenches with you. Yeah, man. A lot of good resources. Yeah. Um, again, I'm super lucky, dude. So, like, you know. All right. Yeah. Lucky dude, but luck comes from putting a lot of effort. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I built some of this, but still, I mean, you know, I could have married a lesser woman, you know, and and my life would have been different. That's so funny. (laughs) When you think about the role of the father, how would you define the role of the father? Well, uh, you know, I guess it goes back to what I was, we just said before that, you know, you're, you're there to be kind of a, a, a foundational bedrock of support for mm-hmm. your family and your loved ones. And, you know, I'm not so into like, you know, dads have to do X and moms do Y or, or whatever. I, I, I don't know if we need to be that constrained about it. Um, but, you know, your, you know, 
you have to be the uh, again, you know, the, a constant, you know, and someone who people can rely on. I, I think mm-hmm. that's really it. And how that expresses itself will vary based on what your kids' needs are, what their stages are, what their ages are, what your situation is, what your financial situation is, and all these other things. So um, I love that I word though, a constant. Yeah. yeah. A constant. I mean, I don't know that we have to go so detailed. Sometimes it's it's in the simplicity. Like I just need to be a constant in their life. And for yeah. you to step back and go, okay, what does that mean to my kid? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to my spouse? Not compared to what, you know, average Joe down the street does or awesome Joe down the street does. It's it's based on what my family needs. And and that really requires you to be in tune and just pay attention. Yeah. Um, but, but great word B, are you a constant in their life? Does your kid know that you're around available? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, it's, um, I recently watched this little, um, it's this documentary series on Netflix. Um, like how something works, how expert, mm. you know, it's always a different thing. And what is your brain? And there's this 20 minute documentary and it talks about how memory works. Hmm. And it was saying that kids just about, or adults, don't really remember almost anything from their childhood. They remember stories of their childhood. They remember piecing together things from pictures and stories and things like that, but they don't really remember very much. You and I probably do not remember very much from when we were eight years old. Uh, Yeah, I don't remember anything. But what a kid remembers from being eight years old is were they loved? Were they secure? Hmm. Um, and you know, so on the one hand, I was like, ah, oh, I did all these awesome things for my son, and he's never going to remember them. Um, <laughs> and, but on the other side, it's like, no, he that foundational constant kind of uh, thing is what he'll remember. And you know, that's what um, you know. One of the themes um, later on in the Working Dad Survival Guide is, you know, from the uh, from a parenting point of view. You know, most dads really want to be remembered by their kids in a certain way. And Mm. I think that's the thing that we should really like. You should be remembered as this constant loving presence who did the hard work. Um, But also you should like punctuate that with like fun stuff. um, So they don't like just, uh, you know, they're not going to remember that you taught them how to tie their shoes or how to read. They're just not, you know. Right you have to do that. And that's important. And it's probably more important, but also they should remember that you were silly with them or you made up bedtime stories with them, or you took them camping a couple times a year or something that kind of gets through the, you know, the everyday so that they have these, these like peak experiences with you a little bit too. Yeah. 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 These, these things that are memories. And I think with that is the, um, in the idea of uh, constant or silliness is having things that you do regularly. Yes. Like how yep. do I wake them up or yep. how do I drive them to school? You know, that, that 10 minutes of being silly in the car or putting on the same stupid song. I mean, for a whole year, I think this is two years ago, I, I would just like play everything is awesome. The Lego song. <laughs> and it would just annoy my kids to death. Right. Yep. And taking I them remember that and song, the neighbors, man. but they'll remember like, Oh, remember when dad would play that terrible song for us. Um, yep. And I think those, like you're saying, those are the things that almost matter more than I worked my tail off and we went on a, you know, that the Disneyland trip one time or something like that's important. Right. I like that stuff, um, but it can't replace that kind right. of I, I constant. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes. You're opening up your life, your field notes. I have some nuggets from the book that I want to ask you about because I think just so many dads balancing work and, and, and life, there's some things in there I'd like to dig into with you. But the theme is rebel and create. So my, my initial question is, you know, this came to me in 2015. I wanted to rebel against the idea that my identity was out in the world and I wanted to create a family experience mm-hmm. uh, that would just be fulfilling for everyone, but it could be applied to anything. Uh, I rebel against being on my phone on Sunday so that we can have a family day. You know, I rebel yep. against being on my phone during dinner so we can have family time. So what, when you hear rebel and create, what's something that you are rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Yeah. So i uh, really, my work with kind of working dad's issues with employers mm. and companies is very much, I want to rebel against the idea of that, work family programming and parental leave and things like that are mom's issues. And 
you know, I want to create more workplaces where everyone is respected for the challenges and the priorities and the responsibilities they have outside of work, which includes moms and dads together. Um, so that's a lot of my professional work deals with. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, you know, in my experience, a lot of employers understand it at like the level one level of understanding, but they haven't quite gotten to really making it work in their organizations in terms of really like, you know, I think a lot of dads still feel like they take a risk if they take an extended parental leave, even if it's offered to them um, or, or with their careers, right. Or if they, uh, in pre COVID, if they asked to work from home sometimes or something like that, because of family reasons, you know, they'd be outed as like, you know, less mm. than, less than fully dedicated or something uh, right. because there's different, you know, again, it's not a competition between moms and dads or men and women, but there are certain societal norms and expectations for men that constrain men to certain roles and to certain behaviors sometimes. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, and I think we need to rebel against that. So, you know, we celebrate girls when they, um, do things that go along with traditional masculinity, like sports and leadership and things like that. Hmm. We don't mm-hmm. often celebrate boys who, who exhibit more feminine qualities of care and, you know, choosing certain professions and, you know, things like that, you know, and, um, you know, I'd like to see progress on, on things like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about paternity care, you know, I never, I've always worked for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I always, I I messed up the first time, our first child, I, you know, I think we had Brooklyn on a Thursday or Friday and I was back to work on Monday. Um, But we were young and I was 23. We needed money. So that was my role. You know, my role was to get money and I don't even think there was no judgment. People, people have to do what they, yeah. Yeah. And it's a long run too, is the other thing. So don't, please don't put shame on that, you know? Oh, no, 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 yeah. no. I'm just thinking, right. you know, so through to my, <laughs> you know, to my fifth kid, I took some time off and wasn't as busy with work and whatnot. So it's just interesting because we're having a shift in our culture, right? Um, yep. And some of it I like, and some of it I don't like. Um, and and I wonder the long-term, the long-term effects, which we won't know until we see it, you know, but, but what's interesting is I think that, and, and maybe speak to this from your perspective, you know, I think that one, we don't live, if we look at, let's just look at America. Okay. We don't live in a culture where I have to provide and protect. So although I, I do think like the roles of mom and dad can be, uh, you know, they don't have to be so defined. I do think that there's something inside me as a man that naturally sure. I want to provide and protect. And sure. my wife wants to nurse a baby and, you know, make the nursery look beautiful for the kid. Now, if I was more artistic, maybe right. I'd be like super into painting it and building the crib and well, whatnot. There's some biological roots to that. There's certainly like just how we're raised and the culture we're raised in that that, that leads to things like that. Absolutely. And there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So when we think about I feel like a lot of men stumble into fatherhood, right? Because we're not yeah. in the village. We're not protecting from anything. Um, food. I mean, it's plentiful. I mean, we have poor, hungry <laughs> right. people in our yes. world, but in, in, in kind of who's talking, who we're listening or who's listening to this and, and, and paying attention to this middle-class America is doing pretty good. Right. But we're not hunting and gathering. Exactly. Yes. I get, I get you. So my question to you is when you think about like the opportunity for paternity leave and Mm -hmm. the man staying home, what does that look like? Right. Because in one sense, we're taking away his like, okay, I feel like I'm providing by going to work. Now, I'm not saying that I think that is what he should do, but I'm going, if he's, how is he being invited into his role? What does his role look like? Um, Now I love holding the baby and burping a baby and feeding a baby a bottle. Like bring me a hundred of them. I love it. Oh my gosh. I love babies. And I'd have more if my wife would be (laughs) down to have more than five kids. Um, But maybe just like in your work, thinking about this, you've done the work to really say, Hey, paternity matter or, you know, being home and having the time. Like, 
do you have any thoughts around like what that time looks like for the dad? Yeah. Um, well, so again, so from my personal point of view, um, my son was born in May, right after finals week. So it was perfect timing. So I had the summer with my wife uh-huh, without uh-huh. having to declare paternity leave. But the fact that we, the three of us learned our family dynamic together that summer um, was, I think, really foundational in my family. And, you know, my wife was able to go back to work in the fall, like she did her first gig in Virginia in that mm-hmm. fall, in the fall with the confidence that she could because she knew I, that. I, I was fully on board and capable and we were on the same page. And so- I was able to go back to work because I knew we were on the same page too. And then I, you know, I think, you know, you know, I, I think many men or we don't grow up. A lot of us don't babysit growing up or right. work in, you know, and other things like that. So like, you know, we're not used to changing diapers. Like that's easy. Yeah. Change 10 diapers and you can change diapers. Like that, yeah. that's like, forget that part of it. But I think just the whole, like, you know, kind of establishing what our family dynamics were going to be together was really important. And, and so let me, bring this out wide. So if, you know, in many jobs, if, you know, many men are some employers and I've worked with some that offer 16 weeks of paid parental leave to, to, to moms and dads. Um, and then others who maybe a couple weeks or whatever paid leave, um, whatever you can get, I would use because it's a long run. Number one being, especially if you're a first time parent, because, um, you are going to be a working father for the rest of your life or until mm-hmm. you retire, I guess, or, and you're going to really be in it for 18 years, like big time. Okay. Um, you know, think about that. That's a huge role. It's, it would be great to have a few weeks to transition to that role. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where you're not just thrown into the deep end, do all of it all at the same time. You could figure that out and, and good employers and smart employers and some that I've worked with, you know, they have these return, gradual return programs and, you know, all, all these other kind of supports for, for re-entering uh, the workforce. And, you know, I, it just, it's a, and even if you're going to be a traditional dad and that is totally fine, you know, whatever version of a dad you want to be, as long as it's the right thing for your family is what you should do. Um, but I just think having that pause of time uh, to, kind of learn your family dynamic and even if it's your second kid third kid fourth kid fifth kid uh, right five kids yeah right okay your family dynamic changes uh with each kid yes Um, and again that's a pause of work and some other things that allows you to adjust to this new dynamic so if you just want to put it that way um you know it's a hugely important role we play for 18 years um at its peak um and you know i think it's you know it's it's, it's, I love my country very much. Uh, the thing I, that makes me crazy about my country is that we are the only advanced economy in the world that does not have uh, parental leave. And it boggles my mind that we can't do that, you know, and um, it shows that we don't really support families the way we should. Hmm. Um, and, you know, um, we don't support children the way we should. We don't support parents the way we should. And um, that's just one, you know, that that's the most damning element of it in my mind. So I've, I've done some public advocacy work. I've, I've you know, I've, I've done, uh, I've been involved in campaigns. I've talked to Congress, members of Congress and, and other things, you know, because this is really important to me there. Um, and I try to do what I can to advocate for uh, businesses, private uh, organizations to, to do, to step up there too. Yes. Okay. So a couple of things you said in there that I go, these are just big ahas for guys to pay attention to. Cause I think guys get tunnel vision, right? Like, okay, I got to work. This is what we do. We're used to routine. We like routine, but two sure. things you said, one is if you step back on the macro and go, okay, I, this is 16 weeks or even two weeks. Like, let me take two, three, four weeks yeah. to, to help my kid know who I am and spend time with them and support my spouse. And this is the only time, right? Possibly that I'm going to have this one baby in my house for this moment, right? right? Because next time I have a second baby, now what I'm going to be doing is as the dad, I'm probably gonna be hanging out with this two-year-old mm-hmm. and help this two-year-old transition while there's a new baby in the house, right? Yep. Yep. And, and, and that makes sense. So when you talk about it for a guy to go, Hey, dude, pause in your tracks for a second. 
Let's not just look at the next month, the next month's bills, the next mm-hmm. three months goals you have. Let's look at the next 20 years. This is a very small moment in time. Don't let yep. it pass you by. So I love that. Then when you talk about it from the perspective of, you know, love our country, but we aren't, it, our policies don't seem to be pro-family, right? Because if you said, is America about family, you'd, you'd everybody be like, yes, yes, yes. Right. But if you look at, if you look at a lot of the way, how busy we are, how full our life is, how we're so about work, we don't have the yep. same holiday vacation time as other countries. Even if we did, we wouldn't take them because we're so ingrained in <laughs> yeah, yeah. showing up every Monday. And I'm dude, I'm there. I'm to blame for that too. I, I um, I like to go to work. Um, but then you look at our stress and you look at our issues as like a culture comparatively and, and to pause and take time is good and healthy. And we don't honor that. Yeah. Um, so when you bring it from that perspective as well, I think it's really important for people to see, is this pro family, not just yeah. me and the guys are in the bullpen selling today or did we all show up? Why isn't Ned here? Oh, he had a baby. What? You know, <laughs> right. Right. But to go, wait a second, at the end of the day, I mean, your statement before, and it's in the book, most dudes when asked would want their families to say, my dad was there, he was loving, he was engaged. But then if you look, which your book is really awesome at giving you the, the like work pages to actually work through the material and go, okay, well, let's level this out. Like the one section where you put your priority as a, uh, your priority is a 10, but then what are your actions? Are they also a 10? You know, where those, where those land? So, um, Okay, so I love what you're rebelling yeah, against. And, and I then, think it's you know, again, this relates to my employer-related stuff and the whole person workplace again, where I make the case for businesses that supporting an employee through that transitional time, right, is good for that employee and it's good for your business in the long run because they're going to feel supported by you. They're going to, you know, when they come back, they're going to be more focused and engaged because they're they're not dealing with all that 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 stress in the the very short run. So, you know, it's mm. it's something that that rebounds in a, in a lot of different ways. I think if we take a long, a slightly longer view of things. Yes. Okay. So one of the big things that I'm getting in this is to look at things in a longer view. And I'll tell you me personally, like I look at the day and the week, like if I don't spend time with my wife today, I'm just, I'm hard on myself. But yeah. if I look at the last month, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we went on two dates. We've had a lot of fun, but I live into a stressed state because I'm trying to make every day like a, you know, a two hour, uh, epic movie, which is impossible. Yeah. yeah um, well, that, that goes to like, um, you, you confessed to me when we were talking, uh, before the podcast that you have sometimes unrealistic expectations for yourself and you, oh, you yeah. really push yourself to that. But also this gets to what, you know, the, this, the term called work-life balance, which, you know, I think has a lot of, uh, a lot of people interpret it different ways. Uh, but I think looking at it a little bit long-term and a little more well-rounded is, is the way to mm. go. And so I, I think like not balanced, like, you know, you're on a, a, a like a, a teeter-totter, a teeter-totter where you're up or down or you're, or on a, a trapeze or a wire uh, where if you're not balanced, you fall. Like think about a balanced diet, right? Like you need lots of different things in your diet to be healthy. Um, and also it's all right if you overload on Thanksgiving or whatever, right? right? And you, cause you could then eat salads and rice for a little while and get it back. Right. And a little bit of a, <coughs> a longer term view of it. So listen, and I think most people have jobs that have like peak seasons and seasons that are a little less, um, like if you're an accountant, right? Like tax season. And you yep. were talking a little before in, in the world of benefits, you know, November is a big month for open enrollment and yep. you know, employers and employees signing up for, for benefits and things. Um, so don't be so hard on yourself in November that maybe that has to be the, the, the season of you spending more of your time at work than you maybe would like. But then that means, well, maybe after that's over, you take some vacation time or you have a little bit of slower time. So you get home earlier and you have those date nights or the little more time with your, your family. So I think it takes the pressure off a little bit. If we talk about balance a little more longer term and in a little bit of a, and also like, if we think about all the different types of foods we need to be well nourished, you know, that's a lot of different things in our lives. So it's not just work. It's not just being a parent. It's yourself, you know, your physical health, your mental health, being able to relax and recharge time with your spouse, time with other important people in your life, um, friends, you know, we, we tend not to spend a lot of time with friends because we're real busy with everything else, but yeah. maybe once a week we get together, once a month we get together with friends and that 
that's better for us. Right. Um, or, you know, we'd sign up for a basketball league that play, you know, we play every other week. Um, that's good for us in many ways. It makes us better um, in our other roles, in our communities, in our churches, or whatever other community engagement we have. If we pay a little bit of attention every now and then to all of those things, it helps us get be more effective with the big things. Um, and we need to devote some time to that. Yes, Even okay, if it's so a babysitter or, mm-hmm. you know, your in-laws or something. Okay, so let's dig into this because there's two really big things happening right here. The one is, you know, we're talking about looking at things on a bit longer scale, like not just look at the week, not look at the month, but let's look at things on a bigger scale. You know, like I've heard a few fathers I talk to, I have 18 summers with this kid, you know, my oldest is 15, you know, last night we're laughing, playing on the couch and I took a picture of everybody at my five kids just laughing, singing Harry Styles songs and Taylor (laughs) Swift and going yeah. Four or five years from now, it won't be exactly like this anymore, yep. um, which is which is uh, not a, to be depressing, but to go enjoy this, be present here. Yes. This is happening. You're in this moment right now. These are the good old days. Yep. So so step one, look bigger. OK, look bigger so that you can enjoy the moment. But then you talk about work family balance. And I want to talk about it a little bit longer because you're the idea of balance, you know, oh, you could never be in balance. That's true. If you're talking about a teeter totter, like you said, but if you're talking and the diet's a great example, my question to you on this is how would you recommend or suggest to men anywhere they find themselves, blue collar entrepreneur, uh, you know, C-level executive, you know, any kind of level, each one of them, I feel need to need to have some sort of a carve out once a month or once a quarter to reflect on where they're headed, where they've been. So what's your thoughts about that? What's worked for you to check in on the balance? Yeah. So, I mean, there's some more formal things you could do. Like you do like your whole time, uh, like do a little time you survey of yourself for a week or a month or whatever, but most people aren't going to keep that up. Um, you know, I tend to, um, you know, it's actually funny during the height of like, COVID when we're all shutting each other's house in our houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we'll be through this at some point, but, um, but when it was really, when it was like, you know, spring, summer, 2020, me my wife and my son were in the house, like all the time. Right. Um, <laughs> but we wrote, we wrote a list of things that we needed to do every day. We needed to spend some time outside. Uh, we needed to spend some time together as a family we needed to spend some time socially with someone else, whether it was a phone call or a Zoom call or my son, you know, playing his, you know, kind of the on the computer video games and things yeah. with, with other kids, which was a godsend during um, right during all this. Um, you know, we uh, God, I'm even forgetting some of our things, but we had like, you know, fun without screens, fun with screens. Like or something it. Like yeah. That. And it was just our like daily checklist and we mostly hit it most days. Um, And, you know, I think you could do something similar maybe in a week or a month, you know, kind of like, Hey, you know, did, did my wife and I, did we have, you know, X number of hours just with the two of us not talking about our kids for Mm -hmm. X number of hours this, 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 this month, or, you know, the way I would do it is build it into your schedule. So um, I'm so grateful that my volleyball league is coming back this spring. That was every Monday night. And um, we just scheduled around it. My Monday nights were, I played volleyball for two and a half hours. And when my son was little, this sometimes meant if my wife couldn't be at home, that we got a babysitter or something. Mm. Cause it was that important for me to be with these people and to exercise and play something I really enjoyed because I like that. You know, it's, it's the whole Stephen Covey, like sharpening the saw thing. Like you, yeah. you spend some time, you know, so you could be more effective otherwise. But so I had schedules in at least that once a week, I was getting some exercise and seeing a group of friends. Right. And so I protected that, like you would protect a meeting or, or yeah, you know, some yeah. other thing at work and, you know, whatever it is. And you could do this for your children too. Um, especially if you have multiple children, I would think, you know, I don't know if you do things like this where it's like, okay, you know, Mondays are me and, you know, me and you get to do something together or something like that. Um, Maybe, you know, building it in somewhat regularly, like that's why people sign up for classes or get a personal trainer or, um, and people stick with mm-hmm. that stuff more than if like, it's like, oh, I'll exercise more. Well, no, you won't like, 
If right. you're going to exercise on Mondays from 7.30 to 9.30 and then Wednesdays and Friday, you know, then then you're going to exercise more. Um, so I guess that that's the the one thing I would do is like have a calendar on your phone or whatever else and really like protect the time because, um, you know, it's easy right. for the time to slip away with something else. So yeah. just build it in if you can. Yeah, such good tips. And I think that building it into your schedule, building it in your calendar, not overdoing it, which maybe, you know, unrealistic yeah. standards, but then having that, um, you know, maybe, a, you know, once a month you check in in a journal or your calendar pops up and it's like the 10 things that were really important to you. Like, yeah, I did. I spend an hour with Brody and with Presley. Did I take my wife on a date? Did I go work out a few times or I've been talking about, you know, doing X, Y, or Z. Did I invest any time in that? And so I think if you don't put some sort of checks and balances in for yourself, you'll be three, four years down the road and not doing the stuff you want to do because you just let everything just dictate your time. Yeah. So the, 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 the urgent gets in front of the important, right? Unless Mm. we really schedule in the important. Um, again, sorry, that's like Stephen Covey language, but, um, which by the way is the, like my book is very good. Like the seven habits of highly effective people, I think is the most important book ever written actually. Um, and I've been a big devotee of that. So, um, you know, there's all those types of things that, um, you know, that that I really take from that book. And, um, you know, that, that's one of them is that, you know, the, don't let the, the urgent, the less important thing, but the thing that pops up get in the way of like you know, the important thing that's important enough to schedule and set aside time for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A couple other questions that I want to get from the book. Um, So anything, I think we we got the work life or work life, work family balance. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about the family time, you know, wanting to be remembered, being present, Uh, family dinners. Okay. Now there's an article that you quote (laughs) in your book. And you, and uh, about family dinners, maybe talk about that for a moment. Yeah. So um, there's sometimes a lot of pressure on like, you have to have family dinner together. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to have family dinner together much of the time as best you can. Right. But the thing is like family dinner is like a proxy really for having enough kind of unstructured family time together. Right. Um, and family time is great because uh, uh, you know family dinner is great because it's like, you know, if you eat as a family, it takes a little longer and you probably have 45 minutes where you're together and you're talking. Right. Um, but the thing is, it doesn't have to be the dinner. Um, so some people like felt all this undue pressure to be like, oh, I can't get home in time for dinner or whatever else. So like my wife's father is still um, a lawyer um, at a big, like prestigious Boston firm. And he almost never got home before like seven, eight o'clock at night during my, my wife's childhood, but he was an amazing dad. And she remembers her childhood so happily and her father so vividly because they spent all that time together. And then, you know, weekends and evenings, and they hardly ever had family dinner together. Um, and so it's not necessarily the family dinner. It's the, the enough time and the enough unstructured time for conversation and talk and things like that. Um, so the, I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Thing. Yeah, my please. son is a gymnast. Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, he is at his gym from 530 till nine o'clock. It is impossible for us to have family dinner on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Okay. Now, it, does that mean that we don't get enough family time? No, not at all. Um, you know, we, you've got to build it in otherwise. So I, I guess that, that was the, my reaction to the family dinner article was that, um, you know, it, you want to, be the type of family that spends time together, like the families that, you know, are able to carve out family dinner time, but that's not the only way to do it. Yeah. I think that's really important for you to, to, to kind of state it the way you did. The article's kind of gnarly, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> more families who eat together are, uh, the, the less likely kids are to smoke, drink, do drugs, get depressed, develop eating disorders and consider suicide. And, and it goes on. Right. So it's pretty intense yeah. uh, as far as like, this is the, this is what happens if you don't have family dinner. So your answer just now to it, here's, here's a question is it's not so much about the eating. The thing about eating though, is you eat every day, right? So you, so if, if the family dinner thing is that you've had this sort of unstructured conversation opportunity, 
let's be realistic. Nobody's having dinner seven nights a week, you know, unless you have just a six month old um, <laughs> and you can't go anywhere. But it's the idea of the constant which you brought up. Yeah. So if you're not able to have family dinners because yep. life, what is that constant unstructured yep. time? Not just, well, we watch one show every night from nine to nine thirty because nope. that doesn't really leave room for conversation. Nope. So maybe it's the car ride, right? My dad always drove me to school. My dad always picked me up. Like, so where can men find the constant to be engaged with their kids? And that's what that family dinner kind of yes. opportunity is. Right. Correct. And, you know, how you find that is up to you. You know, the, again, the dynamics of your family and, and all the other stuff. Your work schedule has a lot to do with this, which is why, by the way, books on fatherhood and parenting in general um, almost never talk about work and careers. Um, which I think is insane kind of wild because yeah. right. That's like, you know, uh, 40, 50 hours of your week, right. Doing, you know, that shapes what you can do with the rest of your time and as a parent. And um, so I think we need to be mindful of that. And, you know, you know, one of the good things that have happened in the last two years is there's much more recognition that many more jobs can be done in more flexible mm. way and in yeah. different times and places um, and I think that opens up opportunities for more time or to at least schedule work around other important things like family time. And also, you know, where I live, um, commutes are terrible. Um, mm. And, you know, even if it's like, hey, you know, everybody come in three days a week, you know, that that's, you know, for someone who commutes into New York City from where I live, you know, two ra- round trip commutes a week, that's at least four hours they're recovering. Um, and instead of being stressed out on a bus or a train, you know, they're they're They could be home. They could be mm-hmm. exercising. They could be with family. Um, so I think, you know, that that's one thing. And, and so like part of the working dad survival guide, the whole, the whole point of why I wrote it is that, you know, there's a section on like kind of thinking through your priorities then a section about work and what we could do with work, you know, to live closer to our priorities. What mm-hmm. can we do at home? And we talked about a, a fair amount of that. And then I end talking about building support networks behind you. So you have more help along the way. Yeah. And I think this leads into uh, a couple of questions for men to ask themselves. And you bring these up in your book is one, do you want to do a different job that's maybe less prestigious or less money because the next 20 years you want to focus on being a great dad? Like that's your number one. Not that you can't do both, but you make a good point, you know, is you can do you can find a balance to do them, but but just really think through it. That's what you're challenging is to think through it. Yeah. And the other piece that you bring up, and you can talk about either one of these, is is how to negotiate for work flexibility. And I think, like you're saying, it's a heck of a lot easier today than it was, I mean, two years ago. Yeah. Um, and the number of companies that will allow you to, I mean, my team's worked from home for the last four, almost five years. And yeah. it allows me to kiss my kids goodbye most mornings. And yep. see them when they come home most days. Now, I might drop out of the office for 10 minutes to check in, sure. say what's up, tickle them, and then drop back in here for a little bit. Um, but talk to me about negotiating with work for work flexibility. Yeah. So, um, again, you know, I, I, I feel a little silly now that, you know, uh, this book written in 2015, um, you know, maybe, uh, um, you know, some of the advice right. Has changed. Right. Th- thanks to the, to it's just um, more relevant. I divorce. think, I mean, I think it's more, I think well, not no, enough people more, are doing it. I think the thing is I, I really kind of go through the, this whole process of really trying to you know prove to your, to your mm. supervisor that like work won't fall behind if we do this and, you know, show that it's in their best interest too. And how you can prove or like demonstrate that, you know, through progress reporting or through, uh, goal setting and goal reports and things like that, that, you know, you're using your time at home, not just to lay on the couch and things like that. And, you know, I think some of these concerns are a little less concerning now. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's always best if we, uh, anytime we negotiate for anything, if we understand not just our point of view and our needs in this situation, but the needs and the, the point of view of the person we're negotiating with. Mm-hmm. And if we can address some of their concerns, you know, old school manager who might be like, well, if I can't see you, how do I know if you're not, how, how do I know if you're working? Well, you can say, well, actually, I thought about that. And here's a few things I propose. 
that you can, you know, feel better that I'm using my time well, um, you know, or, you know, if you look at it from their point of view again, well, if I let you do this, then is everybody going to ask for this? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I thought about that too. You know, maybe there's certain standards or an agreement that we have in the short run that this only can keep going if there's certain goals are hit or things like that, which allows you to then answer somebody else and say, well, you know, this person earned it, or this person is proving that they work well this way. If you could prove you could work well this way too, you could, you can, um, you know, so anyway, um, I think, um, again, it's been a little while since I've revisited this book because it's been a few years, but, um, you know, I think I would give slightly different advice today on negotiating because, uh, a, you know, employees right now have a little more, leverage in this right um, for sure right and that's, that's number one and then number two is i think even the most reluctant managers have seen what you know that a fair amount of work has gotten done and done well in alternate forms um so they'd yeah. be much more open to this going forward but i think it's important so if if you love your job and you want to keep going in your job but just like you know what if i could just you know have a work at home day every two weeks, or, you know, I, I, one of the best stories, it was a friend of mine, um, a story I have in the book, he negotiated, you know, he worked at like one of the big four accounting firms, you know, where they work really hard. Yeah. Uh, He just negotiated daddy daughter Wednesdays when his two girls were little that he didn't go to work till after lunch on Wednesdays. Um, and he just, I love that informal arrangement with just with him and his supervisor. This was not like some formal program. He's still there and he's like, you know, really up in the organization and he probably would have burned out or tried to find mm-hmm. another job opportunity back then. But, you know, it's been 14 years of his being retained um, thanks to in one case, because he was being fr- very frustrated that he was he felt he was not being the dad he wanted to be because he wasn't having enough time with his young daughters. Wow. Um, just wow. Opening up four hours a week on Wednesday mornings. This is before they were in school. So he would do like the whole wake up and they'd have breakfast together. They'd have playtime together. They'd have lunch together. And then he'd go to work. Um, And they just had that. And like, even that was just enough. Um, And, you know, he's a great guy and a great dad and, you know, and and all that. But um, he, I just, he was in a position where his work wasn't giving him the opportunity to be the dad he wanted to be. And he, yeah. he's, he asked for something. And I yeah. think we need to feel I, more comfortable doing that. Yes, to ask for it. And I think dads, if you are feeling like you aren't the dad you want to be as far as like those time, I think think of something that's creative like that, which is not impossible. And then just make the ask, go negotiate. Um, and negotiate with yourself, right? I think some of the the roadblock is with you yourself to go, are you okay not being in the office at 8am with everybody else? You're not there, you know, but, but many other people around us, they want that same thing. I want to be remembered and known by my children, but that's going to come from not doing what everybody else is doing, not following the crowd of what the standard is, but to create your own standard. And listen, if you're an ambitious guy, and you would rather have a more like I am all in at work because I really want to achieve a certain level of financial and, and other success. And your spouse and your kids are kind of OK with this and you've built some some things around that. That's OK. Right. Make the mindful choice for that. Um, if, on the other hand, you know, your priorities lie elsewhere and the drift of your life is keeping you away from that priority, you know, the figure out a way to swim towards it. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a small thing. Like we just said, sometimes it means like, I can't, you know, I'm not going to work at this big four accounting firm and I'm going to find an accounting job at a local company and make, you know, 60% of the money, but work pretty consistently 40 hour weeks. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a big change that, you know, involves a lot of other stuff. Um, but it could just be daddy daughter Wednesdays. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, or a whole bunch of other things that you could come up with, right? right? Like I'm coming to work late every Friday morning at 9 a.m. because I'm driving my kid to school or taking them for a donut or whatever it is your thing is. But I think it's important that you pause and do it because this moment, just like we talked about yep. paternity leave, isn't going to be here forever. So what are you going to do in the moment that you have? And if you're struggling, I would say grab this book, The Working Dad Survival Guide. I mean, there's really a bunch of amazing tips and tools 
uh, in here. I mean, and as you can hear, Scott is like very passionate about this. You were going to yeah. say something, Scott. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was just saying, you know, it, it gets back to your point. Like, you know, we only got, you know, certain number of years, right. To, of mm-hmm. our peak parenting years, our careers will still be there. Um, you know, uh, you can look at a ton of people who didn't really start or really advance their careers to a certain level until a little later in life. Um, Again, might not be your cup of tea, but Nancy Pelosi didn't enter politics until her children were in high school. Hmm. Um, Just, you know, you know, there's different paths, you know, and it's not like you have to work at General Motors for 40 years anymore. Um, People have a lot more choices. People can construct careers, craft careers. Um, And the trick is there's no one solution. And I hate books that Hmm. that give like this is the solution. So. Um, they sell better, unfortunately, but they're, they're, they're not as good. But a book like mine is like, well, like I want to help you a- ask the questions so that you make considered choices in what you're doing with your work-life balance. And mm-hmm. I think if you make considered choices, that's the best any of us can do. Um, and maybe you can't quite make the, the choice you want to make now, but maybe, you know, over time, your options change or open, but it make considered decisions. And that's why I, I don't, you know, you, you talked about some dads default into parenting or they just right. drift into it. Like, but if you're more mindful about what you want to get out of it, um, you know, having a long run perspective on these things, um, you'll make more mindful decisions. And that's the best any of us can do is to try hard, love the people that you're supposed to love mm-hmm. and, um, you know, make, make as good decisions as we can, as we go. I mean, nobody's perfect. Um, but you know, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be a good dad. Yep. And that being a good dad is admitting that you're not perfect. You're going to make decisions. You're going to learn from your decisions. Scott, this conversation has been wonderful as I knew it would be. I'm going to ask you my final question and it's a legacy question. So imagine 30 years, uh, 25 years from now, you are standing in a cul-de-sac looking into your son's home and you see him living life, maybe married, maybe with kids. But what is it that you see? And you know that your day in day out decisions as a father to him, you're seeing played out in the life that he's living. What do you see? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to, I mean, I'd like to think he would be a really good dad um, and a good partner, husbands, etc. Um, I think those are the two most important roles I play, but I really hope that also, um, he has been able to establish a career in something that he finds a lot of meaning in and that provides value and good to others. Mm. Um, you know, work, like, that's the thing we talk about work life balance. Like they're two separate things. They're not work is a big part of our lives and a big way we make a contribution. Um, and you know, listen, my, my son's a fortunate son, right? He's, he's growing up financially stable, intact family. He's smart. He's going to have options. Um, and that's the one thing I told him, I said, I don't care what your career is, you know, but I want your career to be something that, that does some good in the world. Cause you're in a position where you can make a choice to do that, uh, where yeah. maybe some other people, you know, have to make other kinds of choices. Um, so that's what I'd like to see, both from a personal standpoint, and then, you know, in his career, that he does something that that's good for the world in a at least in a small way. I love that, but it's those small things that that create big change, right? Is is to and what you said is provide value and create good out in the world. Yeah, um, Scott, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for all the work you've done, not just inside your own home to work hard to be a great husband and father, uh, but in your community, and then also putting this work out into books, which I know is is a lot of work um, to put out, uh, but to to really inspire. Uh, and, and encourage change um, and, and really to provide value for family because there's nothing more important than family and what a great opportunity you and I have as fathers to lead and be a part of family. So thank you for the work you're doing and just keep doing it. And I, and I look forward to seeing whatever it is that you put out next. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dad. It, again, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I love this podcast. So thanks. Awesome. All right. Until next time. 
I so enjoyed the conversation with Scott. I really enjoyed us talking about the idea of balance because I don't always know that balance exists, but I think that's because I look at it as the teeter-totter and not as a well-balanced diet. And it's such a better way to look at that work-family balance of making sure that in that week, you're kind of getting the things in. In that month, you're getting all the things in for that healthy life that you want, that healthy family that you want. And I encourage you guys, I have read his book and am greatly enjoying um, all the things that I learned in it because it's very practical. And especially now, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's December. So I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm evaluating last year, looking at this coming year, um, looking at my habits, looking at the things that I like, the things that I want to improve upon. And there's just some real gold in there, uh, when it comes to, uh, really creating the life, the family balance that you want to. So highly encourage uh, you to check it out. Uh, thank you to all you dads out there listening to rebel and creates fatherhood field notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has a little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you haven't already, please check out the TEDx I had the honor of doing on behalf of Fathers Everywhere, where I talk about how fathers can change the world. You can find it on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or just YouTube, Ned Shout fatherhood TEDx and you'll find it there and share it with the dad to help encourage him to discover who he is. If you haven't already, like and subscribe to the podcast and I look forward to hanging out with you next time.